0: Rick Madison and Scott Lanigan, chair of Central Okanagan Journey Home Society, delve into the problems surrounding Kelowna's homelessness issue and interview community stakeholders to discover possible solutions. Welcome to the Homelessness Podcast. I'm Rick Madison along with Scott Lanigan, chair of the Central Okanagan Journey Home Society. Yes. Wow, I did that. And Uh, Dave Crisco, who is, I mean, there's so many different titles we could, we could throw around, but, uh, the wonderful guest of today's homelessness podcast. So welcome Dave.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting.
0: So, um, let's do a little bit of background. I mean, obviously there's, there was, uh, a little thing with penguins or something like that, that, that you, you had a, a, role in, um, which got you to a place, but I mean, today's podcast is of course, um, Dealing with this this complex issue, especially in Kelowna, about homelessness, uh, you are a philanthropist. You're many different things. I understand you've you've uh, you've served a long time on the Journey Home initiative. So, just maybe speak to to help listeners kind of define what what led you to this place. Like what led you to today and and uh, taking part in this in this issue of homelessness.
1: Right. Well. Um I think it's a, a matter of justice. Um, so, so a number of years ago, I was at a, in a church. I was I belonged to a church um, that I don't anymore. But at the time, I belonged to this church. It was very much into into helping homeless people and and the poor. And so that's when I first got to meet people on the street and people that were were struggling with uh, addictions and, and things. And so it, it was great for me because I, I got used to kind of conversing and I kind of that whole stigma you know went away the whole fear went away you know is when you know that when you're walking down the street and you see a homeless person coming towards you and they're kind of making eye contact and you want to kind of cross the street you know that kind of thing it 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 kind of removed all of that and I just started to see them as just folks especially when you hear their stories when you hear that they were just you know they had a family a job and then something happened right something happened that took them out of that place and into this new place and so um then i I really you know i realized that you know we have it so great that we we need to do something and and so that's how i started the journey um through uh my wife and i um well my wife mostly started the Caris support society and that was to help women Uh, in recovery from uh, mental health and addictions and uh, and uh, it's uh, moms and babies moms that were pregnant and they wanted to get out of that lifestyle and so it was a place for them to go and so it it all started coming so fast right we we really started to do a lot of that and uh and yeah now uh, you know after in my post kind of business life i still work a bit but i find i do you know more I, I want to do more about changing, changing the world and change, mostly changing our community. I mean, the world's already pretty messed up, but at least we can do something to help our community.
2: So Dave, uh, like there, there's a, I think there's a difference between, you know, acknowledging something or realizing something and perhaps it's, you know, that, wow, you know, in, like you said, through a conversation, this person is a real person with real needs and, and converting that to action. And so what, what, did that look like for you? How's that process that, you know, went from just something I know or something that I engaged with, which some of us can find and then moving to that action piece?
1: Well, I kind of started thinking about it differently than just, um, you know, writing a check because, you know, I've, I've always done that. You know, you have your you know kid from Nicaragua on your on your <laughs> fridge and, and you do that sort of thing. But but those are gifts, right? And I started thinking about more of an investment. Like, how do I invest in this? And again, how do you become that little wedge that can can tip something over or straighten something out? And so I started looking at everybody as, as, as investment. So putting my money into people that even if they move a little ways into self-sufficiency, that is such a home run in terms of investment. And, uh, and so that's how I started to view it. It's more like, uh, you know, investing.
0: As a you know some some people listening are going okay well i don't have much money to invest and you know i want to make a difference you know what kinds of things can can people do that maybe it isn't writing a check and and maybe they they still want to be involved
1: you know i think we you know from the very the start is and it's really really simple basic stuff is about being kind to one another and, and even just saying hi to somebody on the street or stuff. Like, I get the opportunity. I walk my dog downtown almost every day. And my dog is, I got to be more like my dog. Because my dog does not care about who you are or what you look like or what you smell like. I mean, even the smell might even be more, more enticing. Or, well, if you're eating something, she really loves you. But So my dog will go up to people on the street. On the bench or sitting on the ground, and and just want to see them and meet them and give them an opportunity to pet her because she's she's really doesn't get enough love at home, obviously, and so she she's and, and so but she doesn't care who it is; it's just a, a person she wants to get to know. And uh, and it was highlighted one day when she went up to this guy on a bike, and he reached down to pet her, and and he kind of revealed this. Um, swastika on his on his hand that he had tattooed and just this image of her getting petted by this guy and it was like you know I was like you know I had to realize about my judgments right there right that I have to get over that and so I think that's part of it is is to recognize that they exist to say hi to them maybe sit down on the bench with them sometime last week I sat with a guy who was he was he was uh, crushing a joint and he had a little mickey of whiskey next to him and and we we're just enjoying the day right and it was just like well how are you doing you know and, and and just hear a little bit of the story right so that I think that's the first place to start and if there's opportunities to give or whatever then then that's great or, or donate clothing or you know I think that's the place to start because once you get over that then you can do anything right
0: I'll open this up to both of you, but I, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's over the pandemic or there's a, there's generally a, a state of unease in in Kelowna about geez, it you know homelessness seems to be getting worse, the crime is getting worse, like we're just we're going on a slippery slope, and soon we'll you know we'll overtake Vancouver and East Van, and and you know I hear these things, and do you ever get the sense of of you know. Hopelessness, because I know you both are are very much entrenched in the space and, and trying to help and everything else. But do you ever do you ever go, man? Are, are we going in the right direction here?
2: Yeah, I. It's, it's such a great question, Rick. I, it's incremental is the best way that you know we're such a convenience culture. I think y, you look at how even in the last two years everything's transformed. You know, banks aren't looking to expand branches; they're looking to expand their online because the convenience of uh, online and immediacy is far superior than having to get in my car, travel to a bank and, and do that. And, and everywhere we go, we want you know our groceries delivered to us. We want to get the thing now. We want Amazon Prime shipping. You want all those things. And I think the convenience, the, the, the beauty of that is that it allows us to be a much uh, broader and, and to get things that we want in a quicker fashion. The downside is that it fractures our perspective that some things take time. And and you know relationships take time, and if you want, uh, you know a a, a one night stand for somebody is a one night stand. It's not a relationship. There's no kind of intimacy or or long term. Uh, you know, investment that's going to pay off down the road—it's—it—it—it's—it's it, it, it's void. Whereas when you invest in a relationship for the long term, you realize the benefits and how incredible that can be. Same with any type of these infrastructure problems—is they take a long time to fix, and sometimes it feels like you're not moving at all. But if you have two ships going the same direction, but you move one one degree, uh, right away it doesn't look like they're—it looks like they're going the exact same same space. But 100 miles down. And you're like, oh, there is separation Then a thousand. Wow, they're completely apart. And I think if our perspective can be such that it just is incremental, it's not that it's not moving. It's just moving in a way that's going to be meaningful. I think our commitment needs to be to the incremental movements. To, to being committed to the fact that this doesn't look like it's being solved, but we're doing the things that are going to have the long-term focus. And and that's really, you know, like for us, the, the journey home was a five-year plan. Like in reality, homelessness is not going to be solved in five years. But but I think five years, if we're able to look back in our rearview view mirror and go, oh my goodness, we have moved miles compared to where we were, uh, then we're going to find success in that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it took... Like 40 years to create this problem, right? I mean, uh, the federal government started stopped building housing for people like affordable housing in the 80s, in the 90s. So, and then the provincial government closed the uh, group homes for mental, you know, people with mental issues, and Riverside or Riverdale or River what is it called? Riverside, Riverside. Archie's Riverdale. Mm-hmm. No, but they they. They closed all of those facilities and, and, um, and we know that because Dinar's uncle was in a group home and he just got released to the street in uh, somewhere around 2002 when the government said we don't have any more, more money for these people. And then that started this whole, so it took, you know, that's a, a while of, of kind of built up problems. So it's not going to happen overnight, but I think you're right um we've where we've come in the last few years we have um i don't know maybe 200 more people housed yeah. uh that were formerly you know on the street and and sure it looks i mean they're quite visible though it's not like they blend in very well so you you see every one of them and you know with the orange tarp um you know on a on a, a basket um you know a shopping basket it's So it's, and they're always, you know, in real strategic locations. So it's really easy to think that there's a lot going on. And uh, I think it's moving in the right direction. I think we could do way better. Um, I hope we do way better. I hope the government continues to ramp this up in terms of funding. Um, Housing is the first step, right? You got to get the housing. And then once the housing, you have to have the the services for helping people kind of now take the next step. Because If you're, you know, under a tarp, you know, in in the park, um, it's very difficult for you to plan your life.
0: So it is true. Um, So I read a a report about how rental rates have basically squeezed uh, a number of people outside of their homes in in Kelowna, especially because the, as the real estate has skyrocketed. So as we go further down this, this road of turning into a mini- san francisco and and you know with that hub of technology and and million dollar homes is that you know is that continue like are we basically going down even a greater path where more population is going to be pushed into the streets because it it does seem that way and i, I know um david ebbe minister for housing was talking about you know, the, the province is now going to take over permits, which I find hilarious because efficiency and provincial government do not go hand in hand. But um, but what do you th- like, are, are we, I, I guess, are we heading down a path where real estate is really becoming just cost exorbitant for a lot of people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got lots of examples. I mean, I, I also own a, a small boutique development company and we do... Um, buildings and you know we, we did the Karis building which is the one for uh, for women in, in recovery but we've also done you know we did this um, nine unit townhouse for families in Rutland um, three bedrooms because there was zero vacancy rate for three-bedroom um, places that was this was like four years ago we got hit so hard from the NIMBYs right the people the, in the neighborhood who didn't want rentals. I mean, and it's funny, it's not, you know, we've had trouble putting social, you know, our, our social housing or, or whatever in, in places, but people just don't want renters. And some of them are renters that don't want renters. And it's so, so it's a very difficult thing to get, I think, the right, the right kind of light on it. For one thing, we need the city to be more involved from every department. I mean, they, they definitely give money and, and show leadership in, in, in Journey Home. But let's say a developer, I remember we were working with, this, uh, with all these folks in a uh, trailer park, a mobile home park down by Gyro. It's a parking lot now, and it's, I think it's going to become a building. But at the time, um, the owner sold it, and there was no place for these people to go. And they were kind of on the bottom. It's, it's living in these, these places. They've been living there for 20, 30 years. And then after that, it's the car. I mean, that's the next place to live because so so when when you allow development permits, you have to allow for the people that live there. So if you're clearing out a mobile home park, then the city's got to say, well, I think you need to make 20 percent of this development affordable for these people that you're displacing. So we have to get a little bit more um, proactive so we don't get into that nobody can ever afford to live here or... We have to look at, you know, more people either moving or not being able to make it. I mean, even when we were hiring back in the Club Penguin days, it was very difficult to find people to come here with the uh, housing costs so high. And that was still, that was, you know, 2008, 2009. I mean, there was a nice correction in there, right? But um, still, I think there there has to be, you know, maybe bring back co-op housing. Uh, with the federal government where they were there was um, subsidized um, rents for for co-op housing and so I think there has to be we have to get back to innovation and creative thinking or we will pray if we let the market just unfettered you know do what it wants to do then that's what we'll end up with is is
2: I think that affordable housing model actually which could almost be uh, from your from your point there, Dave, in the city of Kelowna, as a requirement for new, uh, you know, new building permits, would that be a percentage of your building needs to have affordable housing? That that could solve so many difficult situations, and and frankly, it's not much. If you're talking ten percent of your 162 bedroom condo unit, you know, or five mm-hmm. percent, or, or whatever, like or
1: eight percent we hit we had a billion dollars in building permits this year
2: right and and you require that you you've actually made a, a significant dent in that and because it's such a small percentage in that building and i think the value add there is so significant especially for those caught. And, and it's not necessarily the, the shopping cart individual, it's always that trickle-down effect of that. It's those at risk of homelessness, those at risk of being vulnerable, and now you elevate opportunities for that group. Well, everything just moves up. The It's like a step. Everything moves up, and you provide more spaces in each level, but when there's a gap between that affordable housing level for those that are check-to-check or those that are a single-parent scenario, and they don't have the potential to move out, now now they're, you know we've actually severed the the, the plausibility of somebody on the street being able to get into a place. And so it all trickles down. And so I just think just some intelligent and strategic motivation to get these things accomplished will actually have a, a significant impact on our community and the affordability.
1: It's like Desmond Tutu says, you know, rather than keep pulling people out of the river, let's go down and see where they're falling in. That's right. True. And I think that that's exactly that. Because we're with Journey Home, you know, essentially is working with the real chronic homeless people. And that we kind of got that to about 200 people or yeah. something that, that were like been on the street for more than five years or something like that, which is an incredible, it's like an eternity if you think about it. So um, that's the core, but then you have to start thinking, well, you know, this market keeps growing. Like all we, we keep getting more people in here. Like we, we house them, and then they're replaced again. So we have to go back down the river and see, well, how, how is this happening? And I think. And, and a lot of it's just, it's just money. It's money for programs to help people who are in, um, um, in trouble, you know, whether they get behind in rent or they have uh, an illness or they have some sort of thing or a trauma. That's going to be the big thing, and help them get through that and keep them in, in their house. The other thing we have to do is to, you know, and, and this is a tough one, is to when, when landlords just want to kick a family out, And build a an apartment building, then then that's you know that's again adds to the the amount of people. So we have to through governance and through funds, uh, you know, start to start to change this. The other thing, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this on the podcasts um, about just how much it costs to keep somebody to have somebody on the street, right? You know, somewhere between sixty and hundred twenty thousand a year. And if somebody goes to McNair, the psych ward, for two or three weeks, that's another 90000 in, in in cost. So I- even if you don't have a heart for this <laughs> uh, and don't believe this is the right thing to do, it's, it's economically a better way than, because otherwise our taxes and everything will be going up. So
0: further to that, we had uh, uh, ex-city manager ramatusi on, he was talking about the fact that at one point, homelessness was actually not the municipality's burden. Like you said, it wasn't, like it was, it was a, you know, something we had to address, but it wasn't actually part of our responsibility or our duties. And it's become that. And uh, we've also talked about the funding, and you talked about it just now of, you know, and, and where, I, I guess the question is we have a lot of people that are not from here. So they're from points beyond in BC. They're from points beyond in Canada. Could there be a case made for more federal funding for Kelowna because we are such a catchment area with our mild climate and and beautiful weather and everything else? Could we could we be seen as a place that is a is a haven for federal money?
1: Well, uh, you know, and and you know, the city can say it's not responsible for that. The provincial government would be. Would be responsible for health and and addictions and poverty and that sort of thing. Or the federal federal government, but it it is the responsibility of the city because because we need the leadership from the city to bring those funds in. So I think they're more responsible than anybody because this is where they live. This is where they so they have to represent everybody in their city when it comes to going to the government for money. And this group isn't um, represented enough. So we have to we have to do that. So if there's money for the feds, if there's money from the provincial, we need to we need to, you know, secure that. And and if there's if it is a haven, we gotta get those welcome wagon baskets going for for all these people showing up as transients. But I mean it's what kind of city do we wanna be, right? It's like we can be the you know the home for like probably more million millionaires than anybody but West Vancouver. They probably beat us. But but why don't we be the city that really kind to everybody and looks after the, the least
2: you know and I think there's a you know like realistically everybody at some point needs to take a look in the mirror we're, we're we tend to be a, a, an individ, individualistic society and we kind of like our space our things our toys our areas and and sharing isn't always that first thing like if you ask how many people know their neighbors <laughs> now there is the odd freaky neighbor right yeah, like, yeah, you know right. Uh, but you can't help but know that's him. right yeah. and you're like wow yeah they take their garbage. Uh, and so, but like, and that's why we're not neighbors, Rick. Um, (laughs) but, but you know, not everybody even knows their neighbor. And, and I, and I don't say that to be silly. I I actually say that purposefully because there's, there's elements that we can take and strategies that mean actually kind of, you know, lowering our own expectations for ourselves and going, Hey, I need to think broader than just my front porch, anything broader than my house. And, you know, it's, it, and, and there's so many contributing ways to, to, Complement the homelessness issue on, on multiple levels. So, for example, uh, and the city is leaving my mind for a moment, but I know uh, there was a, a kind of a community organization in a pretty major center in the U.S. that saw that foster kids were quite significant, and it was a highly diverse populace, and and uh, the most uh, foster children came from the African American community, and they were like, this is this this is not good and so they took it among themselves to find enough families to to adopt foster kids in that community and And it, over the last 10 years they've been able to do it so much that uh, there's actually more families than there are foster kids now so as soon as a kid comes into the community they adopt them they literally adopt them It's it was a profound thing for me to learn I go that has a massive impact on homelessness, on criminality, on so many different things because they're taking these kids out of a system and taking them in. But that takes a significant. A commitment from a family from from a community but I go it can be done when 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 you want to have a, an an immediate impact or an impact like you're talking about Dave where people go you know this is my community I love my community it can be an incredible space but everybody's got to find their place to to step into that and it takes some courage and it takes some moving beyond myself and thinking communally and that means I have to be open to diversity it means I have to be open to diverse opinions and I think lately Uh, I'm not on a soapbox here, but lately, you know, uh, we we have lost the ability to have a conversation of differing opinions and actually leave it going. You have yours, you have mine, but I still like you and I still appreciate you. And because we've lost that, it, it makes these uh, s- solves much more difficult and complex and and for us to kind of step back and I think Dave your, your original point there of just going you know it starts with a conversation so maybe you know maybe what ind- individuals can do is go you know this week I'm just going to have a conversation with somebody I don't know maybe it doesn't even have to be someone from the street community maybe it's just somebody else but, but then kind of paper. yeah right That's right. And I think that's the type of tidal wave that's need beyond this. Uh, Yeah. Systematically important, all infrastructure, finances, you know, federal municipal absolutely critical to it as well. But I think the people, can make a, a, a bigger difference in a lot broader ways because they don't have the restrictions of of these, uh, you know, funding dollars, those type of things. They have their own restrictions. And as soon as you drop those, what you could do will probably blow your mind.
1: I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I think fear keeps us from this. And one thing I, I've i noticed is the wealthier a society gets, the less you really need anybody. So, so when I was starting out, we had our first house in Edmonton, uh, we didn't have very much we I didn't have any power tools or any cool so I had to go to Ralph my neighbor who and he'd end up kind of doing the job for me or whatever but yeah which was really bonus because he saw how how you know bad I was at doing it so he'd kind of well get, me, get out of here and and so any of the kind of so so it, I realized that we needed each other at that point And when you're just starting out you kind of look to your neighbors to say hey we're you know having trouble with my car here, or I need a ride down there. So there's a lot more of that. Once you start to get more pros- prosperous and, and wealthy, you don't need your neighbor anymore because you're either going to call a handyman or you go buy that big power tool and make a mess yourself. But I think we, we start to kind of incubate ourselves a little bit from each other because of our prosperity, right? And, and that's, in the, on the street, you'll know that people really reach out to each other mm. a lot more because they're in that situation and i was uh in front of the uh the tim hortons downtown just before christmas and there was a, a young man ODing right right on the street and so i had my dog with me and my dog kind of sniffed him over and checked him out but he was gone he, his eyes were rolled up so i was kind of down talking to him and then i phoned 911 and talked to the ambulance, and then a couple of street guys came by, and they, so they actually started attending to him. Like, okay, we got to roll him over on his side, and, and then I was talking to the, the 911 person and said, is he breathing? Can you check this? Can you ro-? yeah, roll him over on his side? And so they were doing that, and I could see this, you know, real, they were really committed to helping each other there, right? And And one of them even knew him, but the other guy didn't know him at all. And then after you know the ambulance came they loaded them in and we kind of fist bumped each other like wow that was amazing so it was you could see that that's when you need each other right is when you don't have an opportunity to pull yourself out
0: it's interesting i uh, i was able to interview some people clients of the food bank and i was blown away by hearing their stories very diverse stories Everything from a, somebody in a witness protection program to uh, a woman who goes into dumpsters, gets women's cosmetic products, builds packages, and then donates them back to street people, because she said, you know, the, to to feel confident and to feel alive, it, you know, and you start to look after yourself. That's the next step for her, and she's speaking very articulately about helping someone's self-esteem. And this is a woman who doesn't have anything. Like, due to her condition, she cannot work. And she's talking about spending all this time helping others. And I was amazed at how many people that that get a food bank box share their table. And that's further to your point, which is when you're just starting out, you're caring and sharing. And then when you get
1: wealthier, Uh, I got it. Yeah, and I think that's where we have to kind of get back to that kind of vibe or groove of being of you know helping each other out and and the common good thing I know we had this big discussion about you know vaccines and the common good and all that sort of thing and i think you know um, that has to continue we have to kind of keep if it's you know it's for me too i i don't want to get incredibly sick That's right. as an asthmatic i'm talking but but there is this other side to, to say let's wear the masks for everybody and and, of course, I'm wearing mine now forever. I just love having the mask. It's just part of my look now. Right? <laughs> it's, it's a hot look, Dave. I know. It's all black with the mask. I know. There's it's some a show. It's ninja-like. Uh,
2: uh, I don't want to belabor the point, but it, it, it's just really interesting to me. Um, so maybe some of our listeners or maybe some of the grandkids of our listeners or the kids of our listeners watched Blue's Clues when they were growing up. And so a uh, really popular show and it was about a guy with his dog and Blue was animated and the, and the host was uh, real. And so they would kind of have this interaction and my kids watched it. And uh, Steve was the original Blue's Clue host and he wore this green s- sweater. And then all of a sudden Steve disappeared one day. My kid was devastated because like, where'd Steve go? And hadn't heard from the guy. Well, about uh, it was the 20th anniversary of Blue's Clues. And so he came back dressed up in his old sweatshirt and he went on, on TikTok and he just said, Hey guys, I took off for a little while, but he just shared from the heart, kind of like, I know you missed me and here's what happened and here's why I did it. And it was the, my kid watch it like who's an adult now and was almost like in tears going, are you kidding me? Right. This meaningful, well, it became so popular. Uh, Steve, uh, Steve, he went to call, he had some stuff going in his life, some mental health issues and kind of wanted to pursue a bit of a different career. And, and uh he um was just honest that it was a hard season for him and and kind of the decisions he made and he felt really bad and 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 realized that he let some people down and he wanted to apologize for that like it was powerful powerful explanation but so powerful and so resonant among uh the community that he jumped on tiktok and now he kind of keeps sharing on tiktok but he he did this there's a new feature called duets and what people do is they kind of uh, the original point was i'll write a, a verse of the song, and you sing the chorus and you make up your own chorus to the song that I wrote, right? Now it's uh, where you kind of ask a question or put something out there, and then somebody will film themselves alongside of you and post it. Well, Steve did this duet, and he just, just the other day, he was like sitting at his breakfast table and he's like, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what was that you wanted to say? And then the people's duets on it, like, it's like they're pouring their hearts. It's unbelievable. They're just, they just needed somebody to listen. And I say that because I think that's the sense of what this is you know sometimes it's just the guy on the street that needs somebody to listen and sometimes it's the it's the 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 city that needs to listen differently and look differently at, at how do we solve this problem it's it's people listening to this podcast and going okay can i I just need to, to listen a bit differently, look a bit differently than get caught up in my own area. And then there's a lot of people even listening to this podcast that are hurting and are they and they they're, and, and that's what makes it so difficult to help someone else because I'm hurting so much. And so I think just that points of being kindness and, and taking a step of going, hey, how can we be a neighbor to somebody? I, I think that will have a transformative effect on our communities, not only to the homelessness community, but I think in general to our neighborhoods.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I I think we just need to be more, like, human. We should have a human week. Just, let's just be human. You know, they have a day for I everything, like, yeah, right? I know. Like, yeah. um, uh, and, and so,
0: as we, I mean, we could speak to you yes. all day. You're um, talking about me or Dave.
1: Mostly Dave. No, I got
0: you. In I fact, just got confused there for a moment. All Dave, actually. But uh, <laughs>
1: All I, Dave, I, <laughs> all night. <laughs> it was a song. I, I've
0: been, up, been waiting. I've I was really hoping, you, you, I'm glad you wrapped up the Blue's Clues because I had no idea where you're going. Thank about. you. Anyway. I thought it was a contract (laughs) dispute, actually. I I didn't. Yeah, I get paid for that. (laughs) Um, But last couple questions. This next section is sponsored by Jelly Bells. (laughs) (laughs) We had to say that too. We do need more sponsors, no question.
1: (laughs) Um, Speaking of gummies, uh, take it easy over there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I like that. So if, if, just because, and, and there's no way, there, there's simply no way to, uh, and, and again, we talked about it, you know, it's an ongoing process, it's incremental, we're two ships, 1%. <laughs> I, got there, better,
1: I have a better analogy. So okay. our dog had this really long hair, no, no, really short hair, we got it back from the groomer, but side of, one side of her mouth was off, so we had to trim the hair, and so we thought we had it perfect until it grew out that's perfect and it was a lopsided face yeah so that's that's instead of the two ships okay just, that's, i got you. that's good that's i love good. it
0: that yeah. works for me yeah is is there in your eyes dave um is there a something we can do that's very actionable because again i go, I go back to this and, and there's just a profound amount of frustration but mm-hmm. could would there be a 30 second elevator pitch you would give to people on on how they can help with homelessness like you talked about your, your wife and you becoming involved in a, in a society and, and creating that. But what, what would you give advice to in, in, as far as moving the needle to people?
1: Um, well, I think everybody probably knows somebody that is struggling with some sort of substance abuse or, or maybe even has been homeless. I mean, I don't think any of us are too far removed from the world that, that we don't run into that. So, so you, if you understand, that can just about happen to anybody. You know that can happen to that can happen to me, that uh, a trauma could happen and it would just set me right off in another course. So, so I think getting rid of that judgment thing. I think that, again the best thing is to start seeing it through different eyes, to see everybody as as potential and not just losers, right? And so, uh, and I think if we if we foster that, then we'll start to understand and, and maybe stick up for people a little bit more. That, that need it. And and I'm, you know, I think the more money you have to the real, or at least for me, the more you need, you realize you need way more. I mean, we've put a fair amount of funds and, and resources into into these things like cares and homelessness, but we need, we need more. Um, and so that's why there's a real strong government participation part in this. And so that's about talking to them and advocating for each other, right? And Uh, And again, you know, being in my position, I have I like capitalism, but I don't like unfettered, um, unlimited, unregulated capitalism. I think it creates a a non-level playing field for people. It just it it bonuses the rich. I mean, I don't have to pay banking fees, right? But people. Who really need not to pay banking fees or less banking fees have to pay it. So there's it's an uneven world, and so we just need to keep that in mind as we kind of try to advocate for each other. And again, it's it's a long it's a long process. It's it's and I've always looked at the long game too. Right? It's just um, I'm not like a startup kind of guy where I you know I'm gonna burn through. All this money to get to this window in six months or a year that Mm -hmm. now I have a company. It's really, I'm really always about the long term, about what, and and, and what do you want to do for the long term, right? So that's, I think it's, I go back to your theme about Mm. the long, it's the long game. Mm
2: -hmm. That was the two ships thing that he was talking about there, Rick. Totally two ships. And and my thought is, (laughs) you know, Rick, even though you didn't ask, is that I... (laughs)
1: What is, no, what was your thought again? <laughs> we only have the room till 2. So. <laughs> is that 2 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: uh, Dave, I, I just want to say thank you for, for taking time. Uh, great, yeah. great to finally get a chance to, uh, to chat with you. And, and thanks so much for the contributions. Like, I, mean, I, I know there's, there's a number of people that uh, have the resources to help and, and maybe don't. And I, I'm so glad that, uh, you know, people like you go, okay, how much, how much is enough? And, and I have the ability to help, yeah. so I'm going to. So I appreciate that.
1: That's great. I mean, I, I just want to leave off to say, you know, I have this, um, there's this abundance and um, theory and the scarcity theory. So, and it happens to everybody. So you can feel, you can get into the scarcity mode like I don't have enough at any stage like even i've even had that Hmm. even Hmm. as a a a wealthy person that oh my god do i have enough or is this enough or do i have to do this and it's and it's a funny feeling that why would anybody even think that when they're in that position but Hmm. but we do get into this scarcity feeling a lot i think as a society too where we don't realize what we've got We, Hmm. we we are living in abundance and so we have to get out of the scarcity mode and say well i don't care if i pay more taxes i mean i need to we need to do this as a society mm-hmm. so that's my pitch that's a good one it's <laughs> a good one great. thanks again for yeah.
0: uh for those that have listened and uh if you listen it means you care and that's that's great news for us because i think the more you know the more you can help
2: that yeah. that was almost like a tagline the more you know the more you it can it was help. actually was really good and i was gonna say to our listeners if you do have a question Or you do have a a topic that you're interested in, please let us know because we'd love to kind of jump on that as well. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening in on the Homeless in Kelowna podcast. If you have feedback, reach out to us via email, rick at
1: tempestmedia.net.